Welcome back to Real Talk. This is the Real Estate Podcast with the Homefield Group at Royal Page Heartland Realty. So we've got Rick Lobb. I'm Jeff Bauer. And with us today is Ralph Rubino. He is the owner-operator of Heart to Heart Financial. That's right. And he uh, is going to talk to us a bit today about insurance. And he's also going to, he's also a real estate invest- investor in town here. So he has a, uh, a tenanted property. And we're just going to talk a little bit about uh tenants and landlords and real estate. The pros and cons yeah, of absolutely. investing in real estate. Yeah, but let's talk about let's talk about insurance a little bit first. Sure. You get the get the really exciting stuff. Yeah, get, right. get started. Yeah. Start off hot. Yeah, 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 I like yeah. It. yeah, yeah. 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 So what's it like having the most boring job? Just kidding. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. You're just, you know, talking to people about, you know, their, you know, their uh, morbid things all yeah, the time yeah, is, yeah, is right. fantastic. No. So let's, and let's clarify that the, the type of insurance that you do is not house insurance. It's not home insurance. Correct. You look after uh, life and term insurance. Yep. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So on that note, it's yeah, no home and auto. So I stayed away from that industry. There's a lot of great people in Goddard's that I can let you know who to talk to if that's something that you're interested in. But I look after the more of the mortgage insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, critical illness coverage, things of that nature. So ensuring that if something happened to you, worst case scenario, that the ones you leave behind are going to be protected. Okay, so, so pertaining to then real estate, yes, because insurance. yeah, that that's sort of I guess the the part of your job that pertains to of course to the real estate aspect yep. of what we're here for. Okay, so why don't you touch on uh, um, how your mortgage insurance then or, or the the package that you would offer mm-hmm. would differ? Because I know when somebody is going to get financing, yep. they are offered insurance by the lending institution that they're with. For sure. And would it be the lending institution that actually offers the insurance or is it insurance companies that work with the lending institution? It's a little bit of both, depending if it's a credit union or if it's a bank. Most okay. of the banks have their own coverage. Uh, credit unions tend to uh, shop that out a little bit more. However, what I do as a broker is I have access to over 40 different companies in Ontario that offer life insurance and mortgage insurance. So the difference being that the mortgage insurance that you're going to see through your lender is going to cover the amount of borrowings that you have. So let's say you purchased a home in Goddard for Two hundred fifty thousand, which would be fantastic, but we really don't have that right now. Impossible. Yeah, we, we've we've touched on that in previous episodes that I've that I've watched. But so we're um, talking about fantasy. We're that's right. Okay, fantasy. so we'll make it a little bit more realistic around say say that three hundred three hundred fifty thousand dollar mark that you were buying a home. If you were to get your mortgage for three hundred thousand per se, just a nice round number, and you were to purchase that insurance through your bank, and five years later you were to pass away, and now your mortgage is only two hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars, you've paid off fifteen thousand dollars on your mortgage, the bank is only going to give you two hundred eighty-five. They're going to give you your house free and clear, but you've been paying on three hundred the entire time. But why do you care? Because you're dead. That's a very great question. But the whole reason for paying for it is you want to make sure that whoever you're leaving behind when you are gone is going to be protected. So you could pass away and you were potentially um, not necessarily the breadwinner of the family per se. And that being the case, the uh, remaining spouse or partner could want to keep the mortgage because it's affordable for them. And they would rather have that money as a lump sum to do other things with put towards children's education, replace your income in a different way. Maybe you got a great mortgage rate and you know that you don't want to be necessarily allocating those funds. So, okay. so if they went through the bank, they're just paying off the mortgage. They're paying themselves back. The principal. Exactly. They're, they're, paying, they're covering themselves. They're paying, and they're paying back paying their them. loan. Exactly. Whereas your policy or what do we call that policy? Versus so that would be a, a term life insurance, term life insurance um, product. Exactly. So, so. just on a, on a very basic level, this is an, a life insurance policy that's based on the value 
of the home. Exactly. And the, the difference being is that the mortgage insurance is a set value. You can only get what they're lending you. So if they're lending right. you that 300, you can only buy 300. Right. Versus when we do a plan and we look over your entire picture, we're going to see, okay, there's additional need to be covered. Say you have a student line or student loan or right. uh, vehicle financing or credit card debt or something like that that you would also want covered. You can buy over and above when you're buying your own personal right. policy. And further to that, it's usually a lot more affordable. Usually about half the price that you would pay. I remember like when I when Tess and I got our first mortgage, it was we didn't you know we kind of knew a little bit about insurance, but we were a lot younger then. We didn't, you know, we just knew our, our Not auto as insurance. as you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And there's, but they just said, okay, yeah, so then you got to, you got to get this insurance too on the mortgage. And they want you to, you have to have an insurance policy on these mortgages. Is that correct? Not necessarily. Um, it could be a condition that the financing institution could put on, right. but it doesn't necessarily have to be with them. So right. you may have to take it right off the hop yeah. and just to have something, because we never want to have a gap in coverage. That's right. the biggest thing, because that's, unfortunately, when something may happen. Yeah. So by doing that and educating yourself by watching Real Talk with yeah. you guys is a great way to find out that maybe there is another option. And that's when we start looking at the cost and comparisons and seeing like, well, for the amount that you're paying now, you could actually get $500,000 of coverage for the right. same amount of money right. as you're paying on, uh, that you were paying at your financial institution. So there's... You know, it's interesting you that you bring this up because what people really do need to know is that they need to educate themselves when it comes to things like uh, not only purchasing insurance mm -hmm. uh, versus the bank insurance or life insurance versus the bank insurance. I mean, so often people will have these uh, these sort of misconceptions that, well, the, the lending institution is just going to give them the right advice. And, and meanwhile, a lot of that advice that uh, a consumer is getting from a lending institution is for the benefit of the lending institution, not the benefit of the consumer. They're in the business of making hundred business, right? Absolutely. So when they, when when we signed up for our mortgage, they said, "Here, take this insurance policy because you need one." Mm -hmm. We didn't know there was other options, yeah. but we knew that they were saying, and we kind of said, "All right, well, if we have to, we have to, right?" So it, it definitely is an education piece, and. Uh, yeah, we're lucky to have uh, Ralph here to come. Exactly, and, and I've and I've seen both sides. I spent you know I spent years working at, at a financial institution. I yeah. won't name names, yeah. but if you know, you know. Yeah. Um, but I spent years doing that, so I know how that side of the desk right. works, and I know what I'm doing now. And my biggest thing right now with any clients that I deal with, prospective clients, existing clients, whatever, is that education piece. Letting them know what's out there because there are hundreds of different options when yeah. it comes to insurance, term insurance, permanent insurance, and I won't get into all that yeah. detail now, but it just goes to show that there is a lot to be learned from somebody that might actually not necessarily know, and they're just entrusting the person that they're dealing with at their, uh, at their bank. So, so if it, you're buying a house, educate yourself. Yeah. Don't just go along with what the uh, the the lenders are telling you exactly, Ask and, questions. Not, and I'm not throwing shade at the lenders. No, nope. they no, have it's, a, it's, they have a job to that's do. That's right. But you need to educate yourself in order to get the best uh, deal terms, like insurance, mm -hmm. whatever. Yep. For yourself, right now, Ralph, you're not you're not a you know you're not a mortgage broker, you're an insurance broker, Correct. but you would be able to help somebody take a look at their overall kind of financial picture, right? And sort of make a plan on how, you know, this is this is where I want to be in a couple of years. Let's use an example of a first-time buyer. Sure. And they, you know, they see Real Talk. They're like, okay, you know, I'm going to work with Homefield Group. 
I just want to get my ducks in a row. Mm -hmm. Ralph, can you help me make a picture of what this is going to look like? Absolutely. Yeah. Like on the financial planning side is a huge piece because there's a lot of surprise expenses that you don't realize when you get into um, purchasing that first home. And I've seen a lot of it um, through the bank side when we're doing um, the debt service ratio, which you guys talked about on one of your first episodes, the buying process, where they will lend you a certain amount of your income that you have available to you. They're usually going to try and push that to the limit because mm-hmm. they're going to say, you come in to buy, you come in, it's like, okay, can you let me know what I'm approved for? And they throw out a number like $500,000 and you were like, I want to buy a house for two fifty. Yeah. So Again, fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Fantasy. exactly. <laughs> well, you know, like we have all of your own counties. Yeah, so that's there, right. That's there are yeah, options. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get outside yeah. of the scope yeah. of Goddard's. Yeah. But um, yeah, absolutely. So what goes into that plan is something that I really like to do first time home buyers especially, um, is getting them used to not having those funds. So down payments are key, you know, having to have that down payment is a major thing. So whether it be savings that you've accrued over time, or you're getting gifted from family or whatever the case may be, you need to get used to not having those funds. So let's say just a simple scenario is let's say you're the best case scenario is you were living at home, and you were saving up for this down, down payment and trying to find your first home. If you ran the simulations with either myself or with your bank or whomever, and it said, for this amount of mortgage, your payment is going to be $1,500 a month. Get used to every month putting that $1,500 or every two weeks, $750, whatever the case may be, putting that aside in a savings account or something along those lines where you can't touch it. Then it's it's still your money. You still have it saved up for you for that down payment. But further to that, you're used to not being able to spend it. You're reprogramming your lifestyle. Exactly. Mortgage amount, taxes amount, an average for heat, average for hydro, things like that, and getting used to it. And then when you get into that place, it's not, oh, now I got to get a roommate to afford this house just to, because I wasn't really prepared. So when I do the financial planning side of it, I definitely get into that, go over the amounts that they're going to be comfortable with and getting them allocating those funds to certain areas. Or or it's a reality check and For they sure. and they change what their expectation is and maybe the expectation does become a roommate or something mm-hmm. like that. Or they change their lifestyle or like you said the lifestyle piece is such a big part of it oh, when you sure. when you're planning these things is you want your lifestyle to stay the same. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you kind of have to adjust one or the other. I'm, save more money or adjust your lifestyle. Right, exactly. And that's and you just made a, a great point as to the insurance side of that is maintaining that lifestyle. So if you're going into this with a partner, you want that partner to maintain that existing lifestyle if you're not there. Right. So that's where that insurance piece comes into play uh, as a major factor where um, you're going to have that potentially mortgage-free um, if you were to pass away. And the other side of that that I didn't touch on and we'll kind of go on to like a, just a brief one about partnerships is when you have coverage through the bank, uh, through their mortgage insurance, you're covered for one lump sum amount. So that $300,000 mortgage we were talking about. If you both were to pass away, they're not giving you $600,000, right? To your, to, they're going to pay off the mortgage and then another three hundred dollars for your beneficiaries. When you buy a personally owned policy, the way I like to do it, because the cost is so comparable, is getting an individual policy on each life. Oh. And if you were both to pass away... Then you've got mortgage covered and then over and above for, you know, your final expenses mm-hmm. and, you know, any, you know, estate, any kids yeah. or any estate yeah. taxes or anything like that. So there's always that, that second layer that you'll, you won't get out of just a regular lending conversation that you'll get out of yeah. more of a planning conversation. Okay. So when, um, when you have these conversations with people, like they, they know, everyone knows they're going to die. Like that's gotta, that's gotta be a difficult thing to talk to people. Yeah. The situations under which they might die Mm -hmm. and how they might like 
what they're leaving for their loved ones and stuff. So that, that's got to be a pretty difficult, and I guess the name of your company, Heart to Heart, that kind of, you know, that's like, it is, it is a conversation and that's a real conversation that you're having. With Absolutely. People. And yeah, real talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we, and that's the biggest thing. And that's, you know, for me now working out of a home office, you know, and having the availability for clients to come to me, but I actually prefer to go to them. Have them in their own surroundings where they're comfortable, their own kitchen table, their island, whatever. And they feel a lot more comfortable having this type of conversation Um, because it is it is a very real topic that, you know, is unfortunately unavoidable. And the biggest comfortable to approach. Exactly. But by educating them, then when they hit the pillow at night and they and they're and they're not like hit the pillow, but when they're going (laughs) to sleep at night, they've got that peace of mind that, okay, if the worst thing happened, were at least looked okay. after. The financial side is yeah. looked after. Yeah. You, you know, I don't get it. I'm not a. Yeah. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't get into the emotional side. Yeah. Thank however, God you're not. Thank God. <laughs> uh, however, but having that financial side is is one one burden that's already looked. Well, after. and you you were saying beforehand, uh, things are a little different than they were 40 years ago. Right. Where if if something you know you know cancer rates are higher, but the survival rates are higher. Yeah. Heart attacks happen, but most people survive these things. So, right. um, you know, when things like that happen, what, what sort of like, how do you get coverage for that? Like, because yeah. life insurance, you're not dead, so you don't get paid. Right, exactly. So, so that's going to be more on the critical illness side. Right. So you're going to see that when you go in and deal with a lender at your financial institution, right. there's usually four quadrants that they talk about and they kind of just trickle down and they, they draw a little house and they say, okay, you're going to start here and here. And then these are the extras that you want. And, and then you start thinking, okay, it's like upgrading to leather and upgrading to a sunroof when you're buying right. a car. Right. But actually the critical illness piece is almost more important than the life insurance piece. Because the likelihood of you passing away from an accident and, you know, in your first time home buyer in that, you know, say 20 to 35, 40 age range, the likelihood of you passing away is pretty slim. It would have to be an accident or something pretty serious. But the likelihood of a critical illness is a lot higher. So you're looking at those percentages that we were talking about, like two in five Canadians are going to be dealing with cancer in their lifetime. One in seven males, prostate cancer. Hashtag Movember when I was doing that. Um, and then further to that, the, the heart attack and stroke. So like 40 years ago, survival rates weren't near as high as now. More than 80% are going to survive, make it to hospital, go through whatever treatments they need, and then live after that. So the critical illness piece covers you for that, inst- for that instance. So the coverage that I deal with mostly is um, 25 condition. So everything from heart attack, cancer, stroke, all the way down to severe burns, paralysis, loss of limbs, things of that nature, where if you're diagnosed with something of that sort um, and you survive 30 days from your diagnosis date, they actually pay out a lump sum to you that you can use to pay your mortgage. Uh, Assist you. Assist you, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you want to seek outside uh, treatment, something that isn't offered and covered in Canada. So you want to go to... China and try something. Well, maybe not now, but <laughs> not, not right now. But um, if you wanted to try something of that sort where is isn't, isn't covered by OHIP, you can use those funds. Maybe you have to make a modification to your house, right. putting in a stair lift or just the general loss of income. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So the critical illness protection is something that I is part of my due diligence. 90 plus percent of my policies that I write for life insurance have a critical illness component built in. Interesting. Um, and, and are people are, are young people receptive to that conversation these days? Like, I mean, uh, would would you say the majority of the people that you talk to, especially first time home buyers, mm-hmm. they they move forward with the critical illness insurance? For sure, it's definitely an eye opener for a lot of people that they're not expecting to talk about. They're expecting to talk about mortgage insurance. Yeah. They're expecting to yeah. talk about you know covering off if they die. 
but they don't really, it's because it's not, it's not out there enough. And that's going back to that education piece. And they are very receptive to it because everyone's got an arm's reach or an arm's length yeah. interaction with a cancer or a heart attack or stroke. Um, you know, me personally, in my own family, I've seen, you know, lots of different, you know, from cancer to heart, heart disease and heart attacks and things of that nature. So I'm a huge proponent of it. And then usually when I start talking about it and I give people my story, then they're like, yeah, you know, my aunts had this or my cousin, you know, passed away from this or whatever the case may be. So people are super receptive to it. And for the price of a night out, you know, like, let's yeah. say you're going to, you know, uh, part two bistro or Boston pizza or something like that for the price of your dinner, you know, 50 bucks or 40 bucks, you can have a pretty good policy uh, for $40 a month. That's covering you for life, critical illness. And, uh, and you've got it all kind of. So I I guess the next question then would be is how can we change the topic to be uh, not so depressing? Great question. (laughs) Um, well, I get them on a lot. So once usually once I place the policy, the spouse usually is like, so if I knock this guy or girl off, I'm going to get that money. Right. I'm like, well, as long as you don't get caught, then sure. So that's usually a way that people, we we usually, usually how we like wrap it up meeting up is there's always a joke of some sort, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's just that education piece, getting people to know exactly what they've got. And a lot of people think that they're covered through their employer. So that's something that we really didn't touch on, but that's a huge piece just to, you know, that boring book that you get bring it with you when you go to a meeting. Right. Usually someone like myself or at the financial institution or whatever will know exactly what to look for and say, you do have life insurance to work or you don't or oh, right. whatever the case may be. So that's a piece that uh, that definitely is uh, needs, needs some attention too. A lot of misconceptions when it comes to work stuff. So the second reason that we wanted to have you on, mm-hmm. and this is me changing the topic. Sweet segue. Less, I like uh, it. Less depressing. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, hey is, this could be depressing too. Well, I know, you'll find out. So uh, the, well, the other reason we wanted to have you on is because you are an investor in real right. estate. Yep. You uh, you invested in real estate a number of years ago. You you uh, have a tenant in yep. a property or your landlord mm-hmm. uh, a property. And and some would say slumlord, but yeah. I'll take landlord. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. The I, I guess you know, young guy investing in, in real estate, what, what were some of the considerations that you maybe didn't expect or, or let's say, um, what are some of the benefits that you weren't expecting when you decided to invest in real estate, uh, in yeah. X number of years ago? No, that's a great question. Um, for me personally, it just came down to opportunity. So I had the opportunity to purchase a townhouse in in town while things were starting to climb quite drastically. So that was one consideration was like, I know I'm not going to, you know, lose my shirt on this investment, right? It's not like buying stocks in, you yeah. know, a certain company and yeah. just rolling the dice. Yeah. Like I'm more so in control of, of something like this. But a lot of things you don't expect is vetting your potential tenants. So, you know, there's, we live in a great world, dependable, depending how yeah. you really look at it. But the Facebooks, the Instagrams, yeah. the Twitters of the world that you can actually go in and find a lot about a tenant. Because when you get a application for somebody that's coming to rank your property, they're not going to put a reference on there of somebody that's going to yeah. talk bad about it. Sure, them, yeah, of course. Right? So that's that's a big piece. Um, and then goes back to Jeff's uh, question about that savings piece and, you know, getting first-time home buyers prepared. It's no different when you're doing it as an income property. So making sure that if that place did have to sit vacant for a month or two, that you could afford, that you could afford right. to have that. So that's all going to play into that debt servicing piece that we talked about. But that's, you know, hot water heater rentals, um, you know, your gas and your hydro and things like that. But then again, it's like, 
oh, I need to replace all the smoke detectors every couple of years. There's a couple hundred dollars. Right. If so that's you're doing a liability concern for you it, too. Exactly. And then, you know, you get as simple as, oh, the last tenant that left, you know, left holes in the wall or, you know, you had to, they had a pet because you can't exclude pets anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, but as long as the, as long as, you trust the people that you're you're dealing with. And that's the biggest thing with those face-to-face interactions. Yeah. So uh, you get a lot out of social media, but I get a lot more as to just talking to somebody. So just uh, to to describe the state of, the, of let's say, Godrich right now, because mm-hmm. your unit is in Godrich. Yep. If your unit came up for sale, or sorry, came up for rent mm-hmm. uh, today, mm-hmm. what? how long would it take you to, to find a, a suitable tenant, do you think? Mm-hmm. And how many applicants do you think you'd get? So it depends on where you advertise. Um, so if you do like the Goddard's Classifieds things, you're going to get a lot of hits really quickly. It gets shared a lot. You get a lot of people tagging because there's so many people that are looking. Um, you know, Kijiji, things like that. So in with mine, I actually just um, had new tenants come in um, just before Christmas time. Okay, so, you, so it's you've just with very, very recently. Um, and I probably had 30 to 40 um, different, applicants. different applicants. Now... I wouldn't say necessarily they were all applicants. I had 30 to 40 tire kickers, essentially. People are saying they wanted to come look at it, whatever the case may be. But then when you come back to them and say, hey, can you fill this application out first? You lose about half of them right away. Okay. So I don't necessarily know if that's potentially they found something else or they don't want to go through the whole process. But if you're not willing to put the work in, I'm not willing to put the work in. Right. And it's that give and take, right? And that's kind of your first indicator, indicator that that person might not be a great tenant right like, exactly like because a great tenant is one that's going to pay the rent every time mm-hmm. one that's going to take care of the property yep. and not damage it mm-hmm. and one that's going to be easy for you to get along with is what else what else could somebody do if they if someone was was filling out your application and yep. you had a unit for rent what would a tenant be able to do to make you feel this Comfort. is going to be a great tenant yeah that's that's a great question so knock on wood i've had two awesome tenants re- most out recently no, yeah, out of four <laughs> no uh, recently my, my last couple have been great um you know they've, they've taken care of the property really well yeah. and uh you know they're really accommodating and you know if, if there's ever an issue they just call me text me like hey this light bulb went out or you know the door isn't quite sealing or whatever the case may be right but going back to the applicant side it's mainly just being yourself being up front with and providing the filling out the application to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. So don't leave off the, you know, the, 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 the references point. Don't leave off where you're moving from and how often you've moved. Just be upfront. Let the uh, landlord know exactly your situation because that's, if you're transparent, then they'll be transparent right. say, I've got six people that I'm, that are coming through this house today to look at it. And yeah. is it fair to say that you could identify an authentic an authentically written application versus somebody who's trying to hide something or something. Yeah, like, like there's. Is it, is it fairly obvious? It is. It is fairly obvious. There is a good chance that somebody could pull the wool over your eyes. There's, you know, people can, you know, make any sort of claim that yeah. they wish. But realistically, the it's it's pretty obvious to see. It's pretty when you see the numbers, it it would make sense. And realistically, just their situation, what they're doing, are they looking to? Is this a, a long term solution for them? Um, and that's going to be dependent potentially based on age. Is it a stepping stone for them to save up some money to sure. buy a home that comes available in Goddard in that? fantasy world of 250,000 <laughs> yeah. um, then and and further to that is just leaving putting all that information on there you know it, there's a pets question do you have a pet just let me know I would rather know up front that you've got you know yeah. two shih tzus that you're going to have in the property yeah. versus me coming in because I'm pretty diligent about going into the property so I go every three months 
for my liability. So I'm checking the smoke detector. I'm checking the fire extinguisher. I'm making sure that, you know, nothing is disconnected and there's no leaks or anything like right. that because I don't want any surprises. Right. So um, that's something that I'm, I, and I put right in the, the application that that's something that I'll be doing. If somebody isn't agreeable to that, Red flag. Red flag. If you have a, but if you're right, it's it's the same as any relationship, really, mm-hmm. a tenant landlord relationship, as long as there's mutual trust yep. right. and uh, respect, uh, you know, proper notices, and people are paying on time, then uh, you've you found it to be a, a good experience. For sure, exactly, yeah. and and that's the and that's the entire thing as to, and that's something that I've actually talked to both of you guys about previously is the amount to charge because so yeah. many people don't necessarily know what should I charge, right? Yeah. You see all these other ads and things like that, and you're not really sure, okay, is mine worth X? So by having, you know, a contact in real estate is a great first step as to, okay, what are properties like this bringing on average? Yeah. Talking to other landlords, um, you know, talking to other people that you know have properties and, you know, that would be something that, hey, don't rent to this person or whatever. So the, having that relationship and that network is huge. So I've really tried to ingrain myself into that and talk to different um, other different people that own properties in town and ask them about, you know, red flags, what to look for, basically having this, this type of conversation. But um, knowing over and above what your expenses are is the biggest piece. So if you know that your mortgage, your taxes, and if you're choosing to cover utilities, what your expenses are going to be, give yourself a buffer over and above that. Right. And then what I do is I save that money in a separate bank account, and that is my just-in-case money. The furnace goes on the property, a window breaks, a roof leak. um, Which everybody should have. Exactly. Yeah, whether it be a home or or, or a a rental. Exactly. So, you know, it doesn't take much for a fridge to kick the bucket, and you have to go and spend $800 to replace a fridge. Right. Um, So having that and then and the benefit of of real estate investing right now is is the sheer growth. in, in value of these properties. So you're seeing um, my rent has already increased from my last tenant two years ago to now just to keep up with the market. And then, it, you know, you don't get into real estate investing to give handouts either, right? Yeah, you, you know, you're not in that, you know, because you get a lot of people and those applicants that are like, oh, well, you, I see you have it listed for $1,200. Will you do 900 Right. It's like, well, I know what my expenses are yeah. and I know that I physically could do, but I need to make sure that my assets are covered yeah, right. to make sure that yeah. this is still a viable business because it is a business it is a business yeah. it's an investment and you don't make those things uh like you said you do it to make to make the investment fruitful not exactly uh, and for someone like charity. myself one of the main reasons to get into uh real estate investing was a obviously i had the opportunity but b was being self-employed i don't have a pension plan or anything of that nature so this is my retirement right so by having these um hopefully having it filled for the next you know 20 some odd years to have that mortgage paid off once i'm in my retirement phase that is going to be you know i'm going to have my ex expenses your uh taxes and your yeah, and whatever sure. else but over and above that is all going to be income for myself right. to offset hopefully that i'm not working until i'm 80 years old. Unless you want to. Well, you know what? With my business, you could, right? Yeah. That's the benefit of, you know, something like that, where as long as I'm still have my wits about yeah. me, you know, as much as they're there either Arguable. way. Arguable. Arguable. Um, but as long as they're still there, then you you can still do that education piece and letting people know. And I could only imagine how much it's going to change between now and, oh, I mean. and then, right? It's changed yeah. enough yeah. in the last five years that I've been doing it. So, right. for sure. Uh, one last thing. If you had to choose uh, between a hamburger and a hot dog, which one would you choose? Well, Jeff, 
<laughs> That's a tough question. It is. I didn't know that you were going to end with the toughest question. I know today. it's very difficult. Um, I'm going to go hamburger. Okay. All day Cheese. long. Cheese, bacon. Excellent. Um, basically everything you got. Excellent. Load well, it up. Just want to say thanks again to Ralph Rubino from Heart to Heart Financial. Again, we're the home field group at Royal Page, and this has been Real Talk. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. 